0: Have your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 3 from verses 12 to 14. The title of my message today is, Why CLF? Why Christian Life Fellowship? Why are we here? Why are we doing what we are doing? You know, 2014, we've designated it as a year of discipleship for CLF. So out of that, I want to speak to us about our mission and our vision. Our mission and our vision. Why we exist and what we are supposed to do. Philippians chapter 3 from verses 12 to 14. Not that I've already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the prize or the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul the apostle is speaking and he says that he has learned something about life and as a church and as individuals we need to learn the same truth that wherever he's at he has not attained. Not that I've already attained. I haven't arrived yet or I am perfected or complete or fully mature. This was a powerful apostle. This was an apostle that God had used tremendously, yet he says that he has not attained or perfected. It doesn't, that word perfected doesn't mean sinless perfection. It's talking about being fully mature, fully complete. But he says this, I press on that I may lay hold of that or the reason Why Christ Jesus laid hold of me. Beloved, you and I have been saved because of a reason. As a church or any church that is on the earth, there is a reason why God permits us to exist. There is a reason. That reason we call purpose. So, for us as a church, as I was waiting on the Lord and as I've been praying, I just kept hearing, why CLF? Why? Why CLF? Once I remember a, a, a man of God asked me the question, what gives your church the right to exist? I'm paraphrasing it. What gives your church the right to exist? At the time when he asked me that question, I wasn't too pleased with the question. So, I wasn't very cooperative. But... <laughs> Because I felt like he was being rude, you know, like what gives your church the right? Why don't you just join another church? but it's a it's a good question, it's a legitimate question. what gives you or what gives us the right to exist as a church? Paul the apostle says he 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 presses on he has learned to lay hold of the reason why Jesus Christ laid hold of him. In other words, he has learned to Take a hold of the reason why he exists and the reason why he's saved. And he says, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but the daily lesson I implement is one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press towards the prize or the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And what I want us to see as a ministry and as individuals is that we must learn to let go of the past, the successes of the past, and the failures of the past, and focus on what is ahead, the prize that is ahead. And not any prize, not any prize, but the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, the upward call of God. You see, many times we think that if I become a great accountant, a successful lawyer, or like, you know, the Christ centered man must be definitely a lawyer, or a pastor, or something like that, then I am fulfilling my call. Beloved, whatever call we have is linked to the revelation of Jesus Christ as revealed in Scripture. And whatever call we are pursuing, If the Christ man cannot be seen in it, it is a waste of time. It is like you just slept and didn't wake up. Because at the end of the day, it will have no eternal significance. But even if it is giving someone a cup of cold water and you're doing it because of the Christ man, then you will by no means lose your reward. So whatever it is we are pursuing, it must be because of the revelation of Jesus Christ that we have seen that motivates us in that direction. It has to be because of that. So in the same way, why are we here as a church? And what are we supposed to do? Our vision, our mission and vision. After 20 years of being in existence, we have to ask ourselves, what gives us the right To continue. What gives us the right to continue? Because listen, I've told the Lord many times, I am very happy to fold this whole thing. He just needs to tell me. You tell me, I'll do it. I'm very happy to walk away, not because I don't like what I do. I I am blessed to be part of CLF. It has been a great privilege to serve with the senior elders and to serve with you and to get to know you and to grow in love with you and, and all of that stuff and have to wipe some some <clears throat> spiritual nappies and spiritual bums and you know have to slap some spiritual wrists and all of that stuff that's involved in what we do. It's a great privilege but to be honest with you, I'm happy to walk away from all of it if the Lord makes it clear. Now he has to make it clear, I can't sense, I can't feel. I can't, I'm, I'm sensing, I need to walk up. No, it can't be that. I need to know. Say to your neighbor, you need to know. But bottom line, what gives us the right? Simple answer. What gives us the right to continue? It's the word of God. It's the same right that word gives you to continue in whatever it is that you're committed to because of your connection with the Lord Jesus. You do not need a man to validate you in order to pursue the reason why you're on the earth. But you do need the Word of God to validate you. You do need to be able to show clearly from the Word of God that what you are doing is sound, it's accurate, it's right in order with what God has for you. And as a church, as long as we seek to be the church of the living God, both as a leadership and as a community of believers, We have every right to continue. Say to your neighbor, we have every right to continue. Now, in the next 30 minutes that I have left, I'm just making it clear because I saw something there that was erroneous. So I just want to correct it. I want to share a few more things. As a church and as a ministry CLF, our reason for existing is what we see in Scripture. That's it. It's no different from what is revealed in the Bible about why the church exists. You see for us as an eldership and as a community of people, we are not bothered to be different. We're not, we're not the issue is not being different or being unique. The, the issue is discovering what it is for us in Scripture, Now, in 2014, that we're supposed to pursue. If it's the same as everyone, wonderful. If it's different, wonderful. But we want to discover in the Word of God, because on the last day, Jesus says, it is His Word that will judge us and determine where we stand. So we should have the confidence to be able to say, well, Lord, we did what we did in 2014 because it is written. That's why we did it. Can you say amen? So like Paul the Apostle, we can say, like Paul said to the Corinthian church, we can say that now in 1 Corinthians twelve, twenty-seven. now you or we are the body of Christ and members individually. As a corporate community, we are the body of Christ. We are part of the body of Christ. We are not exclusively the body of Christ. We're part of it. And as individuals, we are members of it. And because of that, we can locate in Scripture what God's Word says about us. I was saying to Pastor Philip the other day, you must learn to locate yourself in Scripture. You must learn to locate yourself in Scripture. You see, I found myself in Scripture. You know, John the Baptist found himself in Scripture. He said, I am a voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Prepare you the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. He found himself in Scripture. Now, you can find yourself in Scripture as a wicked person, or you can find yourself in Scripture as a voice crying out in the wilderness, or Joseph is a fruitful bower, a fruitful tree. The archer shot at him and could not... Pre- That's me. I found myself in Scripture. Jacob spoke about me in Scripture. Are you still there? My name is Joseph, so it's me. Yeah. If your name is Philip, you can say... Philip is a lover of horses. That's what my name means. <laughs> <laughs> or you can call yourself Philip the Evangelist. <laughs> I want to encourage you to always aim to discover God's heart for you. And as a church, whether locally or corporately, we discover God's heart for us. As revealed to us through his word by the person of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4, 16 says this, from whom, talking about Jesus, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes the growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. When you're united with the Lord Jesus and you seek to be in unity with him, you'll be able to receive from him what it is he wants for you. So you don't have to be paranoid about missing it. You don't have to be all perturbed that, oh gosh, if I don't do this, it's going it's to slip from me. Oh, why haven't we got this? Why have after 20 years, why don't we have a big church? Simple. He hasn't given us one. The day will come, buildings will not even be an issue for this ministry. He said to me, young man, I don't want you to worry about houses and lands and cars. Pursue me. And those things will follow. Some of you, the way in the years that is coming, what God is going to do for you and for your children will so shock you, but it will be because of how you served faithfully for all the years in obscurity. Yes. There is nothing that you do for the Lord, that you do because of the Lord. Even if you're wrong, there is nothing that you do because of the Lord, even if you're wrong, that you will not get a reward for. If you're doing it out of a sincere heart before the Lord, based on what you see in His word, if you're wrong, he has a way of meeting you on a Damascus road like you did with Paul the Apostle. And if you're right, you're not going to lose. Either way, you can never lose. The issue that many people have is they're too hasty. They're impatient. They become carnal. They look at what others are doing. They compare themselves with themselves. They compare themselves with others. And they say, well, we need to do this because so and so. They do it out of insecurity rather than revelation. Don't worry about it. Even if everybody abandons you, you plus God are a majority. Don't worry about it. Even if it looks like you've lost, you can never lose when you honor the Lord. Alright. Because of time. We're talking about the reason our mission, which is the reason um, or CLF, which is our mission and our vision is or what we are supposed to do. So, YCLF. Simple. Because of our mission. God's Requirement for us and the Lord Jesus' mandate on his church. You see, again, when you stand before the Lord, he's going to ask you simple questions. What did you do with the first commandment and the second commandment? And how did you obey my great commission? In a nutshell, it's going to be the first commandment and the great commission. What is the first commandment? Mark chapter 12, verses 28 to 31. What, that's the great commandment, which is the first and second commandment. Mark chapter 12, verses 28 to 31. Then one of the scribes came to him, having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? Jesus answered him. The first commandment of all is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. So listen, this scribe comes to the Lord and says to him, What is the most important requirement God has for human beings? What is it? And the Lord says, the first commandment, the the most important requirement is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, mind, and strength. This is the first commandment. Then he says, the second is like it. Verse 31. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So if there is no other commandment, or another word for commandment is requirement, greater than these two, isn't it wise for us as human beings to align our lives in such a way that we live out of these two? And then let's look at what the Lord said to us as he was leaving. We call it the Great Commission, Matthew 28 18 to 20. The Lord says, it says there in verse 18, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore, because all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, on the basis of this, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything. That I have commanded you, or all things I've commanded you, and lo, look, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So, this verse shows us the priority that God places on the church. The priority of the church go and make sure your people have big houses and cars, go and make sure your people are successful and blessed. I'm not saying these things are bad. Some of us need a new car. Some of us need a a, a good house. But sometimes when you look at how we perceive church life, we think that we exist for ourselves. There is only one reason why the church is not, or the Lord hasn't returned, as we're going to see. Only one reason. When we look at why the church exists, of the five reasons why the church exists, there's only one that we need to do in order for. There's only one that we, we need to do um, on this side of eternity. Only one. So, why does the church exist? These two scriptures that we've read teach us five things about why the church exists. Number one, the church exists for worship. Worship. What is worship? It's not singing songs. It is loving God wholeheartedly by prioritizing him as number one. It's putting God first. When we declare we love God, we demonstrate our love by putting him first. In whatever context we find ourselves. Worship. That is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Service. That is worship. What is that? It, it is, is loving, loving God unreservedly unconditionally. Second, loving people unconditionally by treating them the way you would like to be treated. That is loving people unconditionally. Loving people unconditionally is treating people the way you would like to be treated. He says, you shall love uh, Mark 12:31, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Thirdly, the church exists for outreach. That is evangelizing the Word of God by sharing the Gospel or evangelizing our world, sorry, I should say our world, by sharing the Gospel, by sharing the Gospel to our world, to our context or sharing the Gospel as opportunity affords, as opportunity affords. So, He says, go into all the world. That word world is not Japan, Iran, although I may include that. It's people, people groups. So different people groups that exist, the various people groups that exist in this world, we are to go to them, the people group that we have been assigned to, and make disciples, outreach. Beloved, this is a basic requirement why you are alive on the earth? It's not an option. If you are serious about fulfilling your purpose as a child of God, this is a basic requirement for us to make disciples by going outreach. Number four. In fact, another scripture before we look at number four, Mark sixteen fifteen, the Lord speaking, He said, and He said to them, "Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature." Now, it's not talking about talking to horses and antelopes. You know, I remember once a brother, a dear friend of mine, because of this scripture, go and speak to every creature, decided to kind of share the gospel with a horse and wondered why somebody thought he was balmy. <laughs> well, I thought it was funny. I mean, if he didn't think so, I thought it was funny. <laughs> The fourth reason why the church is this is fellowship. Building God's family by embracing it as our own. Building God's family by embracing it as our own. How do we build God's family? Through participation. That's what that word fellowship means. Through partnership. That's what that word fellowship means. Through communion. Through sharing. And through social interaction. So if we are serious about fulfilling our purpose as a church, as an individual, a member of the body of Christ, or as a corporate body, then one of our key reasons why we exist is to express fellowship. And one of the enemy's greatest strategies to undermine many believers is to undermine fellowship, to undermine being part of a church family, being accountable in a church family, being open, being submissive, being willing to have your life spoken into. We're here to serve as a leadership, but we cannot enforce God's word in your life. If we say to you, do this, and you say you don't want to do it, we can't say, well, we're going to do it anyway. Do we have that power? We don't have such power. Say, fine, live your life. It's up to you. Do what you want. But one of the reasons why the church exists is fellowship. Being able To embrace God's family as our own and see it built up the way God wants us to. And then the last reason why the church exists is discipleship. Discipleship, pursuing Christlikeness as a lifestyle by learning to live our lives through the lens of Jesus of Nazareth. Pursuing Christlikeness as a lifestyle by learning to live our lives through the lens of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He said, teach them to observe everything I've commanded you. Teach them to observe everything I've commanded you. How can you teach them to observe everything he's commanded you if you're not hearing from him, if you're not receiving from him, if he's not speaking to you, if he's not communing with you, And what is it that you're supposed to teach others? What you've received from him. You're supposed over the years as you're growing in your faith, as we grow in our faith, as a church, one of the marks of our success is not so much how big we are, but how many disciples of Jesus Christ we are making. And I believe in the next 20 years, God willing, this is going to be a strong characteristic of our ministry. You're going to see people who will demonstrate by how they live in their secret history, what Jesus is like, and demonstrate in their public life how Jesus acts on all the levels. If you agree, you can say amen. amen. Romans 8, 29. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. This is God's intention. Originally, all along, with Adam and Eve and all of that, God in his mind had determined that you will be like his son. So if that is God's intention, don't you think it will be wise for us to order our life in such a way that we are committed to this regardless of what comes our way? Regardless of whether we're up or down, whether we're winning or losing, whether we're successful or looked at as failures, we are committed to being conformed to the image of the Son of God. Hmm. First Peter 2.21 says this, For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. It is possible in 2014 to follow the steps of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is possible. Say to your neighbor, it's possible. Okay, so I want to challenge you with this. With this, are you willing to embrace the mission of the church as an individual? Are you willing to embrace this as your mission? Because if you embrace it as your mission, it means you have now identified this as the reason why you're alive. So whether you're a teacher or a homemaker or a a student or a pastor, if you embrace this, it means you've actually clocked on as to why you're still on the earth. And by the way, of these five reasons, there is only one of them that you will not do in the age to come. I don't like saying heaven because heaven is a temporary place for believers. And all believers, we all say, and then we'll be in heaven with the Lord forever. Not really. We'll be in heaven with the Lord for a season and then we come back on the earth forever. It's not Jehovah's Witness doctrine. It's Bible doctrine. It's in the Bible. Go and read your Bible properly. Heaven is a temporary place for all of us. Okay, you're looking at me strange. I said this in Greenwich and I'll say it. Go and look at your Bible. I am right on this one. Go and look at your Bible. But of the five, there's only one that we don't do in the age to come, and that is outreach, spreading the gospel. Now look at what he says in, 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 in Matthew. Uh, I believe Matthew 20-something. Matthew 20-something. Let me find it in my notes. Matthew 24, verse 14. He says this. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations and then the end will come. You see, of these five reasons why we exist, there is only one of them that has an end and that is the outreach. And there's a time limit to it. Now because of time, I've talked about why we are here. And why we are here, really, I am really talking about why you are here as an individual. And that was why God saved you. And when I ask the question, are you willing to embrace the mission of the church as your own? What I'm really asking you is, are you willing to embrace the mission that God ordained for your life as your own? That's what I'm really asking you. Because when you embrace it, everything about your life will change. I'm telling you, if you embrace it properly, everything about your life changes. Your outlook changes. You have peace of mind for for, for a start. There's no issue of striving and competing with the next man. It doesn't matter whether you've done well or not. Your priority is to put God first. It's to treat others like you like to be treated. Is to ensure that through your life the gospel is being propagated, is to embrace God's family as your own and is to pursue Christ-likeness as a lifestyle. If that is your mission, you will find that all the gifts, the desires, the abilities, whatever it is that and the opportunities, whatever it is that God has for you, will have begin to fall into their proper place for your life. It's simple but powerful. Okay, quickly, in conclusion, five minutes. What are we supposed to do? This addresses our vision. Now, the thing about vision that most people don't realize is vision is always time-specific. There is always a time to vision. Mission never changes. Why? Your reason for something never changes. But your vision, which is what you actually physically do to see it accomplished, has a time to it. There's a time. So sometimes a vision can no longer be fulfilled because the time has passed. Ecclesiastes 3.1 teaches us that there is a time and a season for everything. And many times there are certain things that it's too late, it's past. You can cry as long as you like or laugh as much as you like, it's past. I will never be 14 years old again. It will never happen. It's an impossibility. We don't believe in reincarnation because it doesn't exist. But Habakkuk 2.3 says this. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Vision that comes from God has a time lag to it. There's a time to it. So for us, As a church, CLF, one of the questions I've asked the Lord is, or one of the things I want to find out from the Lord is, how long is CLF supposed to exist for? And for me personally, I am convinced that for my lifetime, during my lifetime on this earth, I must pursue a certain agenda through the ministry called Christian Life Fellowship. And what is that agenda? It's what I call our ultimate vision, which you can put up there, which is to pursue the Great Commission. You can put it up there. You were really eager before. The Great Commission. To pursue the Great Commission. To pursue the Great Commission. (laughs) By becoming an international community of believers in every nation of the world. Christ-centered, purpose-driven, Committed to discipleship, leadership development, world evangelism, church planting, and social relevance. That's what I am committed to. Now you may say, every nation, it sounds so big. You, 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 this boy, you see, if you feel like you're singing huh? Every nation. Man, you, you don't, you know how many nations there are? There are more people in this room than there are nations on the earth. There's not more than 200 nations on the earth. The UN in 2008 said there was 194, 92 nations. So actually, it's not as impossible. He said go into all the world. Didn't he say that? Preach to every creature. Didn't he say that? Acts 1.8 says this. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Well, I want to fulfill that in my day. Amen. I want to be a witness to the uttermost parts of the earth. Amen. Now, there are some places the Lord has telling me, Joe, you cannot go, but your people will go. So, for instance, in about 2009, I was praying in India. And the Spirit of God said to me, I want you to plant a church here in India. And as I was praying, he said to me, I am going to begin to open Latin America to you. I'm going to open Brazil to you and Latin America, but you cannot go. Your people must go. I was shocked. What do you mean I cannot go? When he said, I'm opening Latin America, I began to see the stadiums. I began to see, he said, but you cannot go. Your people must go. Soon after that, Latin America began to open to us. And I couldn't go. So, what I'm saying is is this. So, Sharon, you can go, but I can't go. There are places that you will be able to go, but the next person won't be able to go. But it's up to you if you are willing to discover this. This vision is born out of our mission. This is why we are church planting, this is why we are developing leaders. This is why we're seeking initiatives in our community that have relevance, like I Equal Change. This is why we are trying to do something in Brazil through Rescue Me. This is why we are busy going to Sierra Leone. This is why we are busy helping children, sponsoring the education. This is why we are busy trying to pioneer in new territories because of the Great Commission. My question is, are you willing to buy into this vision? That's my question. Or do you want to be a spectator? Are you willing to hear what God is saying to you? Or do you want to be a spectator? Because in the age to come, they will refer to these days and say, these are the annals of CLF. And Nicholas Thompson and Melanie Thompson with their children went to ABC, went to Medway, and through them, all these people came into the kingdom. I remember Susan was telling me a few years ago she had a vision. She said in a vision she saw, it's like years had gone. And our, the gravestone, or the, the what was it? The, the tombstones of people in CLF. And they saw, she saw different names. Like, this one did this, and this one did that, and this one did that. May that be your testimony in the days to come. I want to challenge you to embrace our mission, and to embrace our vision. And as you do this, in whatever context you find yourself, you are going to see how your life will begin to transform. You are going to see the hand of God, the power of God. One of the things as an eldership we believe in the next two, three years we want to focus on is to change the DNA of this church to become a soul-winning community. Because it is in the context of evangelism that you see the power of God strong. It is when the people of God have taken what they have received in a context like this out into the marketplace, out into um, the social arenas where people will never come here, that they'll see the power of God. And I pray that will be your testimony in the days to come. I said I pray that will be your testimony in the days to come. In Mark 16, 20, I conclude with this. He says, they went out and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. Are you willing to go anywhere that the Lord speaks to you about? And sometimes the Lord doesn't need to speak to you. One of the greatest decisions I made, not the greatest, one of them. The greatest decision was being born again. The second greatest decision was being married But one of the greatest decisions was when I went to Malaysia and Singapore as a missionary, my first missionary trip. But God never told me to go. I was in church, and an announcement went forth. I was working at a good job. The announcement went forth. We need somebody to go and help a young pastor in Malaysia and Singapore for a season. Is anybody willing? And I sat there, and I thought, well, you know what, I'm not doing anything. I'm a young guy, a single guy. I don't have no responsibility. Why don't I go there? And give myself, give them three months of my life. Those three months of my life were pivotal to what I'm doing today. Because there are things I heard, things I learned, things I experienced that transformed my life forever. transformed me forever. Whilst I was there, God spoke to me very clearly about planting CLF. Whilst I was there, God spoke to me very clearly about marrying Aisha. Ugh. Whilst I was there, God spoke to me very clearly. <laughs> You're laughing, but it's true. It was in the mission field. He said spoke to me very clearly. That was your wife? Without a doubt. I tell you, when you discover God's vision for your life, when you align your life to the word of God, to the mandate of the church, you discover what real life is all about. Let's start.